You are listening to the Catholic Thinkers Podcast, a free treasury of instruction in the Catholic intellectual tradition. If you enjoy this lecture, please visit us at catholicthinkers.org forward slash donate. This course is from our International Catholic University Classics Collection, originally recorded between 1995 and 2005. Welcome to our sixth talk on the Holy Trinity. I am Father Kenneth Baker, the editor of the Homiletic and Pastor Review, and I have been explaining to you as best I can what the Catholic teaching is on the Holy Trinity. So in the last talk, we talked about the teaching of the Holy Trinity in the early tradition of the Church before the First Council of Nicaea in 325. Now in today's talk, I want to talk about words that I've used but not explained all that well, the processions in God, that there are two processions in God and three persons. So we're going to try and get that across as best we can. When I talk about procession here, it doesn't mean a group of people marching into church. Not procession in that sense, but procession here in theology means origin or source, where it came from. So we know from the New Testament and from the creed and the teaching of the church that there are three persons in one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And two questions then that naturally occur to a Christian who begins to think about these things and to reflect on them. Remember I said that St. Augustine came up with the idea that theology is faith-seeking understanding. So we believe it, but we want to understand more about it. When we start to reflect on the meaning of this mystery of the Holy Trinity as revealed by Jesus Christ to his apostles who handed it down to us, the question comes up, where did the three persons come from? And secondly, how are the three persons related to each other? Where did they come from? How are they related to each other? This is the question of origin of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. According to the Bible, the Father is the source or the originator of all things in heaven and on earth. So all things outside of God, that is, the world and the universe and all finite things, no matter how big the universe is, that all of these things were created by God the Father. We profess our belief in that every Sunday when we pray the Nicene Creed. Now, what about the internal life of God? That thinking and willing that's internal to God himself. No, can we say that the Father created the Son and the Holy Spirit? And the answer is no, we cannot say that. We have already seen in a previous talk that the Son and the Holy Spirit are co-equal to the Father in divinity, and that was spelled out very clearly in that Athanasian Creed from the 5th and 6th century. So the idea of creation then is out with regard to the Son and the Holy Spirit. If they're not created, then where did they come from? If the Father did not create the Son and the Holy Spirit, then as I said, where do they come from? The answer to this most difficult question is to be sought in Revelation, in the Holy Scriptures, in the tradition of the church and the faith of the church. That's where we'll find the answer as best as we can give. There's no complete comprehending of this because we're dealing with an absolute mystery 
which transcends the capacity of the human mind or any created mind to understand it. So where did they come from? The church teaches in this matter that in God there are two internal processions. And by procession is meant the origin of one person from another. So a procession can be either external or internal, depending on whether the term of the procession goes outside the principle from which it proceeds or remains within it. So for example, creatures proceed from God by external procession. God created us. He created the world. He created the universe that's outside of him. He's imminent. He's transcendent. It's outside of him. It's not part of him. So he created it. But the Son and the Holy Spirit proceed by an imminent act of the Most Holy Trinity, since they belong to the internal life of God. Therefore, an internal divine procession refers to the origin of one divine person from another through the communication of the numerically one divine essence. And we spoke about this before. That the numerically one divine essence is communicated by the Father to the Son and by the Father and Son to the Holy Spirit. There's not a reduplication of substance as a father generates a son, a second son, a third son, a daughter, a second daughter, a third daughter. They are individual substances. The father doesn't communicate his own substance to his children. But in God, he does. The father communicates his own nature, his own substance to the son. That's why we say the son is consubstantial with the father, one in being with the father. So that's what the divine procession means. It's the origin of one divine person from another through the communication of the numerically one divine essence or divine substance or divine nature. The Catholic creeds teach us that there are two internal divine processions, namely the generation of the Son and the procession of the Holy Spirit. The language here is extremely important. And this may be one reason why, as I've said a few times before, why priests hesitate to preach on this very often, if at all, is because of the preciseness of the language. Notice what I just said. The two divine processions, in them the generation of the Son and the procession of the Holy Spirit. Consider, for example, what we profess in the creed at Sunday Mass. We say, and I quote, we believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father. Notice that word next Sunday when you recite the creed. Eternally begotten of the Father. Not at any time, it didn't start at some point, eternally begotten of the Father. And we go on to say later on in the third part, we believe in the Holy Spirit. Then we explain who proceeds from the Father and the Son. Notice the church doesn't say that the Holy Spirit is generated. The Holy Spirit is not created. The Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son. That's the orthodox terminology. The Son is generated. The Holy Spirit proceeds. I'm going to try and explain more about that in this talk and the next couple of talks. Now, what does this mean? It means that from all eternity, the Father generates the Son. We don't say generated the Son. 
We put it in the present. From all eternity, the Father generates the Son. He's generating the Son right now and will for all eternity. And the Father and the Son breathe forth the Holy Spirit. Scriptures say He proceeds. We use the word breathed forth. In John's 20th chapter, when Jesus communicates to His disciples the power to forgive sins, St. John tells us that the Lord appeared to him and said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so also I send you. And then St. John says, He breathed upon them with breath. <sighs> with breath. He breathed upon them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Whose sins you shall forgive, they are forgiven. Whose sins you shall retain, they are retained. This is the basis of the sacrament of penance. What does the word spirit mean? Spirit means breath. And holy means something related to the will in conformity with God. So the third person has something to do with will, and we use the word spirit for him, Holy Spirit. He's connected with the breathing forth of God, of the Holy Spirit. Thus, there are two internal divine processions, and these two processions give rise to three persons. You have the Father generating the Son, and the Father and the Son breathing forth the Holy Spirit who proceeds from the Father and the Son. Now, another question we can ask is, why is the word procession, which means really coming forth, the Latin means coming forth, why is this word procession used for the internal divine activity? Why that word? Why not something else? The reason is that Jesus himself, who is the revelation of God, used this expression according to St. John's Gospel. This is what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit. Thus, in 8.42, St. John's Gospel now, the fourth Gospel, Jesus says, I proceeded from God. And in 15.26, same Gospel, he says that he's going to send to the church his Holy Spirit. Quote, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father. So here twice we have Jesus using this language, saying that the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father. He doesn't say generated. He doesn't call him a son. He proceeds from the Father. Accordingly, we learn from these and similar passages. There are many other passages that can be cited. These are the best ones. That there are two internal processions in God are coming forth. As we're going to see, that's related to their two activities in God, as there are in any spiritual being, thinking and willing. Thinking and willing. Every spiritual being that we call a person has that activity, at least when they're conscious, of thinking and willing. So in thinking, we take things in, we can get ideas of them, and we give expression to them in words. By willing, we desire things or we seek things, or we try to avoid things. It's going after being, not just grasping it, but going after it. So you have these two activities in every spiritual being, thinking and willing, intellect and will in philosophical terms. So Jesus says that he proceeded from God, and the spirit of truth proceeds from the Father. Now, it is a defined dogma of the Catholic Church that the second divine person proceeds from the first divine person, now get this, by an act of generation, and therefore is related to him as a son to a father. How does the son proceed from the father? He proceeds by an act of generation. 
So obviously there's some kind of analogy here from generation among physical beings. A man and a woman, husband and wife, generate a son. They communicate their life principle to another being. So Johnny comes into existence, is conceived, he's born, he grows up, he's generated. Now the husband and wife can be referred to as father and mother, whereas before they had a child, they could not be referred to as father and mother. They have generated a son. So it's a dogma of the church that the second person is produced or proceeds from the first divine person by an act of generation and therefore is related to him as son to a father. When Jesus prays, he always prays, my father, father, if it be possible, let this chalice pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Over and over again, when the gospels recount Jesus praying, he's addressing God as father. And he refers to himself as the son, therefore. The Nicene Creed says that Jesus Christ is the only begotten son of God born of the Father before all times. So the Father has only one Son, not two. The Holy Spirit is not a Son. The Holy Spirit is not the grandson. There's the only begotten Son who is the Word who was with God from the beginning and created all things, and he became man, and that's Jesus Christ the Lord. The Athanasian Creed from the 5th, 6th century says, as I quoted in a previous talk, the Son is not made or created. He's not made, or created is the same thing, but he is generated by the Father alone. The Holy Spirit hasn't got anything to do with this. He's generated by the Father alone. Now, according to the New Testament, the first and second persons stand to each other in the relationship of a true fatherhood and sonship. The characteristic biblical name for the first person in the Holy Trinity is the Father while that of the second person is Son. Jesus refers to the Father as my own Father in John 5:18, And Jesus is spoken of as God's own Son in Romans 8:32. St. Paul says in Romans 8:32, He who did not spare his own Son, but gave him up for us all. So God the Father did not spare his own Son. And he's also spoken of as the only son of the Father in John 1.14 and 1.18. And as my beloved son in Matthew 3.17. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And later on in the 17th chapter in St. Matthew's Gospel, when you have the transfiguration of Jesus on Mount Tabor, you have the same kind of vision as at his baptism, the clouds, the voice coming from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. But in that point, then the father adds other words said, listen to him. Listen to him because he is the one who has the words of eternal life. He is the word of God. The second person is the revelation of God. Thus, God's only begotten son is distinguished from the adopted children of God, which is what we are. Through grace, we are adopted children of God. We're partakers of the divine nature through the infusion of sanctifying grace, which makes us children of God and heirs of heaven, but not natural children of God. We are the adopted children of God in the grace of Jesus Christ. Now, 
The Son is distinguished from the adopted children of God, but Jesus is the natural Son of God. He's naturally generated by the Father. The eternal generation of the Son from the Father is clearly expressed in Psalm 2.7, repeated in Hebrews 1.5, You are my Son, this day I have begotten you. And this day is interpreted by the Scripture scholars as an indication of the eternity. You are my Son, this day I have begotten you. So the second person is begotten by the Father. He's generated by the Father. When you get to these questions in theology and philosophy, you get down to some basic ideas, basic terms. When we talk here about generation, what is generation? What do you mean when you say a father generates a son? It's defined by the theologians as the origin of a living being from a living principle of the same nature. The origin of a living being from a living principle of the same nature. So when a man or woman generate a child, they generate a living being, they're living, they generate a living being of the same nature, not of some different nature, but has the same nature. So in nature, dogs generate dogs, and cats generate cats, and oak trees produce oak trees. Human beings produce human beings, and so forth. They produce something according to the same nature. That's what we mean by generation. The production of a living thing from a living principle of the same nature. So what we're saying here is that Jesus is the natural son of the Father, not the adopted son. He's not created. He's generated by the Father from all eternity. And we're going to see later on in a future talk that we go a little bit further. How does this generation take place? It takes place by intellection, by knowing. The Son proceeds by an act of intellect of the Father, and the Holy Spirit proceeds by an act of will, of love, between the Father and the Son. That's this coming forth, as we mean by the processions, there are two processions in God, but three persons. Now, from the Creed at Mass, we know that the Holy Spirit, we say, proceeds from the Father and the Son. The Athanasian Creed states, the Holy Spirit is not made nor created nor generated. Not made nor created nor generated. If the Holy Spirit were generated, he would be a second son. But the Word is the only begotten Son. So you can't say that the Holy Spirit is generated. But he proceeds from the Father, and the Son. That's a very important distinction in Orthodox Catholic theology. It is also a matter of Catholic faith that the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son as from one principle. He proceeds, as described by St. Augustine, from the love between the Father and the Son. So there's a special connection between the Holy Spirit and love or will. And that's why the Holy Spirit, as we'll see, is associated with sanctification, holiness, grace, gifts of the Holy Spirit, things like that. Holiness has to do with the will. The Holy Spirit is connected with the will. Thus, there are not two principles of the Holy Spirit, but only one. That is, the Father and the Son act as one principle in breathing forth the Holy Spirit. Why is that? The Father communicated his substance to the Son. The Father gave the Son everything that he is except to be Father, which means then that he gave the Son the power to breathe forth the Holy Spirit, which is originally in the Father. So everything that's in the Father is communicated to the Son except to be Father. That's why the Father and the Son function as one principle in the production of the Holy Spirit, or as we say, as the breathing forth 
of the Holy Spirit. We're going to see that the theologians have another fancy word for that. They had to make it up in the Middle Ages to express the idea. They made up a word called spiration, spirate, to spirate the Holy Spirit because it's done by the breath of God, by the will of God, the love of God. So they made up this word that the Holy Spirit proceeds by spiration. I'm going to explain that in a future talk. So there are not two principles of the Holy Spirit, but only one. And so the Council of Lyons in 1274 proclaimed, remember Thomas Aquinas died on his way to the Second Council of Lyons in 1274. That council, which has a lot to say about the church teaching on the Trinity, said, we confess that the Holy Spirit proceeds eternally from the Father and the Son, not as from two principles, but as from one. And this was repeated then by the Council of Florence in 1441, and again by the Council of Trent in the 16th century. So that is the Orthodox Catholic teaching. We confess that the Holy Spirit proceeds eternally from the Father and the Son, not as from two principles, but as from one principle. So by divine revelation then, and the explicit teaching of the church through her magisterium, we know that in the inner life of God, there are two what are called processions, two processes, two activities of coming forth. And this gives rise to the three persons. That is first the father who is the principle without a principle. And then there's the son who is generated by the father by an act of the intellect. And then the Holy Spirit who proceeds from the Father and the Son, as we say in the Creed, and we're going to see later, by an act of the will, by an act of love. And that's why the word, the second person of the Blessed Trinity, is associated with intellect, with knowing, and the third person, the Holy Trinity, the Holy Spirit, is associated with willing and loving. As I said before, that I think it was St. Augustine said that the Holy Spirit is the kiss between the Father and the Son. Now the Father is not made, he's not begotten, he doesn't proceed. The orthodox terminology speaking of the Father is that he's not begotten. He's principle without a principle. He's unbegotten. He is the source of everything that proceeds from him, the Son and the Holy Spirit. Now to give expression to this, the theologians use what are called certain notions. And these notions are defined as internal divine activities which characterize the persons and distinguish them and by which they are known. These are notions. So this would be paternity in the Father, filiation in the Son, and spiration in the Holy Spirit. Those are called the notions. Paternity, filiation, and spiration. And also connected with the paternity of the Father is the notion that he's ungenerated. He has no birth. He has no source. He's a principle without a principle. So there you have kind of in a very brief and short form what the Orthodox Catholic teaching is about the internal life of the Trinity and where the three persons come from. The Father is the origin of everything. The Son is generated by the Father as the only begotten Son of the Father. And the Father and the Son breathe forth the Holy Spirit. So in God, then you have one God, and you have two processions, and we have three persons. Maybe that might help you to remember this. 
that these two internal processions are the acts of thinking and willing in God as you have in every spiritual creature. That's why man can be said to be created in the image and likeness of God, as our Holy Father constantly refers to man as being made in the image and likeness of God, because he has intellect and he has will. That's what God has. And it's by those two activities and the eternal inner life of God that God generates forth his only begotten Son and he breathes forth along with the Son, the Holy Spirit. So that gives you kind of an overview of what we mean by the two processions primarily in God, out of which come the three persons. In the next talks, we're going to talk about the three persons in God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and what a person is. So we'll cover those in the next talk. We hope you enjoyed listening to Catholic Thinkers. Please visit us at catholicthinkers.org forward slash donate to help us keep this content free.